Let us pray. We sang songs. We had a call to worship. We listened to an amazing anthem. All for you. We are not here for the music. We are not here for anything else. We are here because of God. Otherwise, this is just another meeting, a concert, a festival. What makes everything inside this building in this hour different is because we came to worship the only holy living God. So, Lord, as we approach you here in church or at home online, will you please understand our hearts and our minds that even though we are broken, we are not perfect, we sometimes struggle to grasp you, to understand you, we struggle with life ourselves and the issues that surround us, we still are trying in this moment to connect with you, the Holy One, the One that's above all, it's somewhat weird for us sometimes to think that we can speak to God, the one who created the heaven and the earth, the one that created all the things that's above us and around us and underneath us. How amazing must you be? How big this God? And for you to have time for us here on this corner or wherever we are sitting in our, in our homes or wherever we are watching, that's just that amazing thought that sometimes brings us to our knees. Am I worth it for God to even care for me? Then I see the cross and I'm reminded I am because Jesus came to tell all of us individually how important you are, or we are to you. We thank you for this. And Lord, as this service today will continue, I ask that you will realize or you will understand that we are trying our best just to bring you the glory that you as our Lord and our God deserve. In your name we ask this. Amen. Why all of this? I've had a number of people in my life ask me, so why do you have a building? Why do you have a choir? Why do you have an organ? And all these resources that... You guys have here in the church. You know, it seems like a big business almost to have a worship service and to have a church. All the time, all the money, all the effort that needs to go into it for getting people together for an hour or two on a Sunday morning. A gazillion years ago in my life, a guy that was at our church in South Africa came to me and he said, I did the math. I said, what math did you do? I like people when they do math, but this was the wrong kind of math. He said, I did the math. If you look at the church's budget, and you divide it by 52 Sundays, and you, you, uh, you, know, and you divide the hours in it. He says, do you know how, many, how much it costs us to unlock that door every Sunday? I said to him, I do not like your math. I said, because it's irrelevant how much it costs, because it's not about money, it's about something different. No, someone different. You see, most people come with this argument, but you know, religion or my, my religious affinity with God is a, is a private affair. I don't need to be in a corporate worship setting. I can do it in, on my own. I can do it at home. I can do it in nature. I, I don't need all of this. I do not need to deal with all the things that's part of a church. The pastor. That can be so boring sometimes. 
There's the story of this woman that came to church, uh, and there was a very new deacon, and, and she said she wanted to sit right in front. And he said to her, my lady, this pastor can sometimes be very long-winded and a little bit boring. Maybe you should sit a little bit more at the back. And she looked at him, she said to him, do you know who I am? He said, I have no idea. She said, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> he looked at her and he said to her, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, thank you. And he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, I don't want to deal with the people in the church. Because they are sometimes not really who I would like them to be. They can be somewhat different. So let me do this privately. Now, COVID has forced us to do it privately. So I'm not in any way um, having issues with people that are staying at home and watching this online. This has to do with worship and not being connected in any, any way. This is an old statistic a little bit. This comes from the 2017 at the latest. But between 2008 and 2017, they tried to find out what is the worship attendance in different countries. In America, it was 38%. No, so, sorry, 36%. Now, that's of the population, I think, at that point. I think it's way lower now, way lower. You see, most people say, I don't need this. I don't need this. I can do this on my own. So why do we do have a worship service on a Sunday? <laughs> because I say so. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say, well, it's pastors that thought this out, so they will have a job. No, no, that's nonsense. That's not what it is. You know, when I was a kid, my, I asked my parents sometimes a question. They would say, I would say, why do I need to do this? And my dad would say, because I say so. And it took me a long time to realize I said that also to my kids at some point when they were younger. And what I was actually saying is because I know a little bit better than you do about the answer and why you need to do what you need to do. So why do we have a worship service? Because God said so. Amen. Let's go home. All done. Because God said so. So I'm still part, and I, I have one sermon left that's next Sunday that is sort of loosely based on this book, The Celebration of Discipline. If you want to do the book properly, you go to Todd Hockenberry's class on a Sunday morning at 9.15 year in the they are really going through these chapters very in-depth and doing it well. The inward disciplines, these are things that we're supposed to do to get closer to God, is to be with God, it's meditation, to speak with God, God prayer, to have time for God, fasting, to learn from God, that's to study. Then we discover there are outward disciplines, things that I should do. I need to focus on God's kingdom way more than the stuff on this earth. I need to submit myself in obedience to Him, and then I need to serve Him. And therefore, we still have all of these sign-up sheets. So if anybody wants to still sign up to help us here in our church, all of these sheets are lying there and will be removed, I think, at the end of this series next Sunday. And then we will all contact you and say thank you for helping us to serve the Lord better here. And then we have corporate disciplines. There are four, but I'm only going to preach about three of them. Confession we heard last week, and then worship. Today and then next week celebration. Why worship? Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship their Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God asks us to worship Him. If you look at the slide, you'll see our expectations hurting your relationship. If there's now one thing that's very harmful in relationships is when there's not um, a well-defined expectation and when expectations are not met. A lot of the work I do in counseling has to do with this thing that people find that um, I've got an expectation and I try to verbalize my expectation and you that's in a relationship with me do not respond to what I ask or want. And then slowly but surely in a relationship on earth, it's like a plant that doesn't get water. And slowly but surely this plant starts to wither because this plant needs to thrive and survive, but it needs water. And many times in a relationship when I have an expectation, that's like the water I need that I can live, that I can survive. And we many times expect of people that's living with us to provide that nutrition that I need to survive with you. That's what it means to be in a relationship. The Lord created us to be helpers of one another and to help one another to be what God wants us to be. But the same applies to God, isn't it? When God created us as humans, He created us to be in a relationship with Him. He meant for us to be different from animals in the rest of His creation because animals are cute and fun, but you can't really have an in-depth relationship with your animal, your dog or your cat or your donkey or whatever you have. But God created us, and He said, you are created in my image. And that means that God made us that we can connect with Him in a relationship style, a relationship way. And because it's still a normal relationship, God says, I've got expectations of you as you have expectations of me as God. And that's, that's right. I may have expectations of God. You know, and God knows this. And when He came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 to start the whole process of the covenant, He came to Abraham and said, Hey, Abraham, I will be your God because He knows we need a God. He says, Abraham, I'll give you a future and I'll give you a land because God knows we want a place to live and we want to thrive and we'll be okay. Hey, Abraham, and I will give you an offspring. I'll give you people that will be with you because God knows that these are the things that are important to us that only He as God can give us. So God steps towards us first and He says, here I am. I will give you the things that I know is important to you because I'm God and no one else can give it to you. That's your expectation of me and I'm already saying I will meet that expectation. But Abraham, because we are in a relationship, because that's what the word covenant means, I may ask of you and your offspring to allow me to be your God. To allow me be the God that I am. And that is where worship starts. Worship starts by understanding that God says, you need to give me the place in your life that I as God deserve. I'll talk about that a little bit more. So what is, what is worship really? So William Temple had this definition, to waken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to be to the purposes then of God. I'm not going to preach about this. I just think it's an amazing definition. 
Because in this definition, it says our conscience, as we think about God, we discover He's holy. My mind, I need to find the truth in this world. Because, man, have we ever lived in a time where the lie is just being accepted by everyone? What is truth? It only lies in God and His Word, His will. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. So we imagine all these amazing things, but we forget the beauty that God has given us uh, about Himself and around us. To open the heart to the love of God, our emotions, to, to have that been led by what God gave us. And that, that will be the basis of how we, we love others. And then to devote our will to the purposes of God, to do the things that God wants us to do. That is what worship is. But worship restores God's place. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To say I believe in God means that I say that I believe in a God that's God. What does the word God mean? It means that I've got someone that's higher than I am, that I will follow and that I believe in, that I believe knows way more than I do. Sadly, we now live in a world where people have created a God that's not a biblical God. The God they've created is a God that is, in a sense, just a reflection of themselves and their own imagination and their own will and being. And therefore, I've heard countless of people say to me, well, I don't think God will have a problem with this because it's, it's okay. I said to someone last week, the Bible is completely uh, different from what you are saying now to me. If you tell me it's okay for you, it's okay for you, but it doesn't mean it's okay for God because that's not what's in the Scripture. But what you are now doing is you are bringing God down to your level. You are creating a God that's actually an imitation of yourself, an image of yourself, and that's not how it is. We are supposed to be an image of God, and God's not supposed to be an image of me. And that's why we are in so much crisis in this, in this world. And sadly, in so many churches today, there's a God being presented to people that's not where we are the image of God, but where God is now the image of us. This God needs to respond and be, respond and be exactly how I would like Him to be and to be okay with the things that I think is cool because we are living in this modern culture. So God, you just need to get your act straightened out and everything is going to be fine. Worship means to give God His rightful place because He is the God of heaven and earth. Look at the sky one night when there's uh, not too much light. Drive away from our land and just find a dark spot. Look up and say to yourself, this is the God I worship who created all those little lights up there. And some of them are galaxies as bigger than the Milky Way that we are a part of. Give this God again in worship the place that He is. And that's why I said in the beginning that it's not about the music, it's not about the sermon, it's not about the coffee, the tea, or the just being together. It's about God when we worship. Second thing. Worship reminds us who God is. Now, I, very, I, I really like this, this, this slide that I have there. Uh, I, <laughs> a guy paid, it's in England, it's a soccer match, a guy paid 38 pounds. It's almost like $50 for the seat. <laughs> and he could see almost nothing of the, uh, of the field in front of him. It was completely blocked out. Do you know what the problem is if people say, I can do this God thing on my own, by yourself at home, not 
connecting with us on a Sunday, but just privately on your own completely, slowly but surely you start to block out pieces of God in your life. How many times have I heard people say to me, oh, this is my preferred scripture. This verse in the Bible I love so much. You know, I hang on to these pieces in the Bible that's so important to me. And I thought to myself, that's wonderful to say this, but what about all the other things that you do not like that much that God is saying? Many years ago, when I was a student studying theology, I was staying on a, on a sort of, a, how can I call this? People that had a lot of rooms that they rented out to students. We were six staying there. And one student was also studying to become a pastor. And at some point, things started to go a little bit off with his theological studies. He didn't get to Greek or whatever. Something was a little hard for him. And then at some point, he said to me, I don't think I want to go to church anymore. And church was just around the block, just around the corner. And I would see him sit in the evenings, and he would read his Bible. I could see through his window. Of course, I would walk past his window, and I would see him read his Bible. Six months after he quit going to church, his life started to fall apart in many different ways. You see, because what happens is that when you start to do this on your own, you start to read pieces that you like in the Bible, and it's okay, and that's what I grab onto. But when you worship together, and the Word of God and the truth of God is proclaimed, we all are exposed to what God wants, and I can't choose anymore. The hardest thing for me is to make a sermon because when I make a sermon, I ask the living Lord, God, what do you want to tell me? Because I need to go and share this, what you are telling me to the congregation. So it's not I'm standing here and saying, you guys need to do this. I'm standing here and say, God has said this to me. And I'm sharing with you what God told me in the Scripture. That's why I like it to read or to preach through a whole book. And I've done that many, many times in this congregation. And starting in the after the celebration one, I'm going to start from the book of Jonah. We'll preach the whole book. I'll go through the book of Jonah. You see, then I can't hip and skip over, hop and skip, sorry, not hip, hop and skip over certain verses. I need to read everything that God is telling us that we need to do, and that's part of what God wants us to know. You, know, you need to know everything about God. His love, His grace, His compassion, His, His, His care, but we need to know about His wrath also, that God hates sin. That God says, if you don't follow me, you will end up where I'm not. Hell is not this big pot that God created to throw people in. Hell is just the ultimate consequence of people saying, I don't have time for God. Then God says, then you can go where I'm not, because that's what you told me all your life. That is the utmost consequence of your own decision. Heaven, I want to be with you. God says, Man, come be with me for eternity. That's what you want to do. Come, be with me. But worship is also corporate. And corporate means that God wants us to know you can't do it on your own. I grew up in South Africa. We would build fires in the bush felt. And then you would have all these embers, you know, all of these pieces of wood that stuck in the fire. And then you pull out one, one. It's burning really hard. You pull out one, put it aside. You can count to 20. Starts to smoke. And after a while, that thing will just die. It needs the heat of all the other little sticks that's in this fire to be able to, to burn well. The living Lord knows that for you and me to survive the culture and this world out there on our own as Christians is extremely difficult. That's why I said we need to come together. And I'm not even going to preach about what he says in Hebrews. In Hebrews, it actually says, if you do not come to corporate worship, you are sinning online or here. 
But corporate worship is part of knowing that I'm part of the family of God. I've got these folks sitting around me, next to me, that care for God as much as I do. And if I've got a problem, they will pray for me. And therefore, we are praying for people every single week because we want to remind people you are not alone in this. We are the family of God. And we are going to spend eternity for we are going to spend eternity together. So be nice to the people in church, please. This is your brothers and your sisters. You're going to see them still for a very, very long time. Maybe in a different way, way, shape, or form, but in heaven we are all going to be there. Worship is where God does his work. Where two or three gather in my name. I have used this illustration before. You, are, you know it well. I'm going to say it again. No mechanic can do really a good work on your car if you don't take your car to the shop where all the lifts are and all the things are that he can take the engine apart and fix your engine. You've got these mechanics who says, I will come do it at your house, but they can only do limited work. Even a dentist, you go there at the back. Yeah, you go, I've got a problem with my tooth. Just sort it out here in my office. There's no way, man. I need you there where I've got that little thingy that, you know, sucks the stuff out of my mouth and little, little mirror and, you know, that thing, all those things. This is God's working space. This is where God works in a very special way. God works outside. God works in our families where we are together at home. God works with us when we are uh, worshiping and, and thinking about Him outside. But this is a very special space where God wants to do His work. Many years ago, I was sitting with four colleagues of mine in South Africa, and we were thinking about the Sunday before. And a guy walked in, he said, yesterday during the worship service, I finally gave my life to Christ. And I preached. I thought, well, maybe one sermon worked. Then he said it was during the blessing at the end. He said when the pastor reached out his arms like this. And that's why I do it like this way, because that's how in the Old Testament they placed their hands on the head of the people. Not high, it's this. He said, when the pastor stood on the pulpit and he reached out his hands like this, I felt it as if God is touching my hair. And I heard that God said to me, I will be with you, my child, this week. He said, and at that moment, I gave my life to Christ. Not the sermon, not the music. The final blessing was part of God's instrument he used in this workspace. Because this is where God does His work. I'm almost done. Prepare to meet thy God. <laughs> this has nothing to do with your death. This is the story of the, of the people that were standing with this sign, you know, repent, turn around, you know, or you will meet your maker. And, and the people would honk and show ugly fingers to these two guys standing there with the sign. And then you would hear a big splash. And after a while, the one guy said, maybe we should change the sign to the bridge is out. <laughs> because that's what was, what was happening down the road. Their sign said, turn around, you know, repent, turn around, you know, uh, you may meet your maker. Uh, they didn't say the bridge is out. That's what they should have said. Why are you here? Because you believe in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? Because you want God to be a part of your life and you want to go to heaven, isn't it? All of us want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, but eventually that's the only way we'll make it to heaven. 
But I promise you, I've said this to Luis many times, I sort of look forward to heaven. I like to travel. Man, that's going to be an ultimate destination. To be able to end up with God. Isn't it amazing? But I'm going to a place I know nothing about. Nothing. Except if I am part of a worship service. Here we are, in a sense, preparing ourselves to meet with God. So they asked me in the back, what does all those numbers mean? I said, it's the chapters in the book of Revelation. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. In all of those chapters of the book of Revelation, you will find the 24 elders cast off their crowns, take off their crowns, and they bow before God on their knees, and they say, you are the one that will be worshipped. And who are the 24 elders? They represent the old church of the Old Testament, the 12 tribes, and the 12 apostles of the new church. They represent the community of God as a church. In heaven, we are going to worship God. It's all about God. And the worship service is, in a sense, looking forward to that moment. It's a glimpse of heaven and a worship service. Here we are, together. Heaven will be together. Here we are in a special way, connected with God, because He greeted us. He said, whenever people gather my name, I'm here. The living Lord is with us. I wish I could show the Lord to you. But He's here. I hope you see him, as I do in faith, that Jesus is with us in this building this morning. And he's smiling upon us because whenever his family gets together, he's, he's so happy because his family is here to be with him. It's heaven that we are, in a sense, experiencing where we are connecting online or in person. My final slide. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Amen.